open up episode 257 of Monster Kid Radio with the song Power. It is from the album Speed Power Turbo Racer from the band Amphibian Man. They're based out of Kiev, Ukraine, and we're using them to open up this episode devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. They gave us permission to play their song here on the show. You can find them at amphibianman.bandcamp.com when you're done listening to this episode of Monster Kid Radio when you're done listening to the conversation that I'm going to have with Andy Campbell about the 1966 film Godzilla versus the Sea Monster. You know, film music is very important to me. I'm a big fan of film scores, and Godzilla versus the Sea Monster stands out to me because of the music. It is just so fun and out there and just kind of wonky and I love it. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the movie itself and we're going to play a little bit of catch up with Andy. Andy is a podcaster. He's a monster kid. He's a kaiju kid. A lot of things happening in his life. We're going to catch up with him a little bit and then we're going to dive into the movie proper. Also, I'm going to talk about the Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. The ballot was announced earlier this month. And as I did last year, I'm going to go through the ballot and I'm going to share with you all the people who are appear on the ballot who have been on the show over the past year. So if they've been a guest on Monster Kid Radio, appeared in an interview or anything like that, and they're on the ballot, well, I want to give you guys and gals a heads up because, you know, we like to support our fellow Monster Kids. And last but not least, we have some feedback. In fact, it's not last, it's first. We're going to go over some emails right now. This came in from Toppy Smelly. Hi, Derek. Just wanted to say thank you for your homage to Scary Monsters magazine on episode 244 of Monster Kid Radio and for expressing your love for the kind of work people like Dennis have dedicated to monster kids like us. While I don't personally have a history with that particular fan magazine, I did read Famous Monsters of Filmland when I was a kid in the late 60s and early 70s. I must have read each issue a hundred times over and studied the pictures and read with delight all of the articles on special effects in the movies. One article in particular that I remember was a description of how they did the effects from Willis H. O'Brien's The Lost World. When I find people that love the old movies and the genre films as much as I do, I like to think of them as my people. I guess that's why your Monster Kid Radio podcast and your MKR Facebook page are so dear to me. Thanks for all you do. Signed, Toppy Smelly. Yeah, Toppy, I'm your people. You're my people. You know what? Monster Kids, we're we're all each other's people. I, I don't know. You know what? These monster magazines mean so much. Before podcasting, before the internet, before message boards, before any of this, the way Monster Kids connected was through these magazines, specifically Famous Monsters of Filmland. It was the first, it was the most widespread, it was the granddaddy of them all. Now, I know the magazine continues to this day, but let's face it, modern Famous Monsters really isn't quite the same thing. Scary Monsters magazine, however was and it continued to carry on that monster magazine tradition it is going to continue i found a note online with the announcement of the new publisher who's going to take it over but for the life of me i can't find it now i wish i would have bookmarked it and i don't remember the name of the person who said they're going to be taking it over but i do know it's going to continue and it'll probably continue in the same vein which is great because again scary monsters one of the absolute best thanks for writing in toppy and another email from Chris Franklin from the Supermates podcast. Hi, Derek. I really enjoyed your chat with Dr. Gang Green regarding Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. I'm a big fan of the house that dripped blood. 
but I hadn't seen this film until you two pointed out that it was streaming on Amazon Prime. I watched it last night and really enjoyed it. Not much to add other than I saw some familiar hammer faces beside the big guns, such as Katie Wilde from The Evil of Frankenstein. Some great twists and turns in each vignette. I really hope you and the good doctor plan on discussing all of the other Amicus anthology films. I'm looking forward to exploring them along with you. Keep up the great work, Chris Franklin. Chris. Chris is referring to last week's episode where Dr. Gain Green and I talked about that film. Dr. Hare's House of Horrors is one of my favorite anthology films. If I didn't make that clear last week, let me say it again. It is one of my favorite, one of my favorite Amicus films. And yes, Larry and I have been talking. We are going to talk more about Amicus movies in the future here on MKR. So stay tuned. Also, listeners, stay tuned because I've been talking with Chris about having him come on the show to talk about monsters from a particular franchise that happens to be hitting its 50-year anniversary this year. Nothing's been set in stone, so I don't want to say anything more other than, Chris, expect an email. And finally, an email came in regarding an episode from last year. Episode 170 featured artist Roger Cook telling us about the time he met, well, somebody. I'll just read the email from Ken from sunny Sarasota. I just had to write to tell you how much I enjoyed Roger Cook's interview about meeting Vincent Price. You were absolutely right to just sit back and let him tell it because every second was fascinating, funny, cool, and surprising. I can totally relate to that whole starstruck phenomenon from having met someone in my own industry who had been an idol of mine for years. Anyway, I enjoy all of your podcasts and will continue to listen, but just had to write you to tell you how fabulous that one in particular was. And I hope you can continue to find more and more interchangeable surf bands whose music you can play. I like that too. Rock on. Ken, thank you for writing in. Yeah, I love finding surf music. I spend a couple of hours a week on Bandcamp and other websites looking for new bands or new to me surf bands and reaching out to them. That's how I found Amphibian Man to play on this week's show. Roger's story about meeting Vincent Price. Wow, I still think back to that. The closest I can come to something like that is meeting somebody at a convention. What an incredible story. And again, thanks to Roger for sharing that with us last year. And Ken, thank you for writing in. If you want to write in like any of these folks, monsterkidradio at gmail.com is how you do that. I'll go over that again at the end of the show after I talk about the Rondo Awards, after Andy and I talk about Godzilla versus a sea monster, after this. Interrupting my work. Your work. The work of the devil. Hands. Please, Father. No. You can't. No. The evil of Frankenstein. The evil of a man who created a monster by crude surgery and harnessed the tempestuous forces of nature to give it life. The evil of Frankenstein unleashed a monster that terrorized a whole community. Peter Cushing as the Baron and Peter Woodthorpe as the ruthless Professor Zoltan, who fought the Baron for control of the monster. Oh, he'll understand you, all right. He just won't obey you. That's all. 
Duncan Lamont as the chief of police, Katie Wilde and Sandra Ells as two young people caught up in the evil of Frankenstein. Are you a geek looking for love? Do you long to find discussion on that special comic, TV, episode, movie, or toy that's just right for you? Then why not try Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast? Chris and Cindy Franklin can match you with that certain something to satisfy your genre-related longings, no matter the subject. Superheroes. But Robin's like, that was really nice of you, Batman. He's like, I had the room loaded with kryptonite. I can turn it on at any moment. <laughs> and here's the thing. It's, you're talking about... Now, think about this. It's an apartment building owned by Batman. Do you not think that Batman doesn't have their place but Sci-fi. I don't know. You talk about being a sex symbol and stuff like that. I mean, I know a lot of girls thought, you know, William Shatner was it. But I had a, the biggest crush on George Takai. I, 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 I did. I thought, you know... Sorry about that. Horror. And then when we see the Wolfman for the first time, he's in, I don't know, we don't a know. A long sleeve shirt, shirt and a dark pair of pants. Pants with a belt. With a, with belt. a belt. That's right. <laughs> and his shirt's buttoned up all the way, too. Yeah, yeah. And his so, arms. So after he changes into this ferocious beast who can't talk and doesn't seem to be able to think beyond just attacking things. He, he has lots of dexterity. He went through his closet and, ah, no, no, no. <laughs> I like this outfit better. Action figures. I actually had all the figures and all the accessories up to a certain point. I really, literally did collect them all. You know, including Shira. I was going to get to that, but nah. Chris and Cindy have found their own happiness through discussions like this. I could be friends with him. I could be down with this version of the ultra humanoid. You can be friends with the dude who put his brain inside a mutated albino ape. I married you! <laughs> oh! If you're tired of searching for geek love, then sign up with Supermates for free at supermatescomic.blogspot.com or on iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen, for the next few moments, you will be witnessing scenes from a new motion picture starring Vincent Price. Master of the Macabre. To those among you who are easily frightened, we suggest you turn away now. To those of you who think they can take it, we say, Welcome to the Madhouse. Perhaps it was inevitable. For years, this man has played the role of Dr. Death. he has pretended to be a hideous, murdering monster. No! Now, at last, 
he has actually become one. American International presents Vincent Price in Madhouse, where lunacy lives. All I ever got was a stake through the heart. Tonight, I would like you to meet my next victim. Fear lurks. Evil walks. And death waits. Death is the name of a doctor you've met. Stop it! Madhouse, a cinematic shock treatment. Guaranteed to scare you out of your mind. No one ever leaves Madhouse. Our planet may be doomed, our Earth devastated, the monsters are in revolt, and civilization is in chaos. Godzilla is laying waste to New York. Rodan is attacking Moscow. Manda is smashing London. And Peking trembles under the wrath of Mafra. Our battle cry must be, destroy all monsters. Monster, monster. Who can say which country or city will be next? We must unite and destroy all monsters. Is there a way to defend against Godzilla, Rodan, Manda, and Mafra? The answer is no. Let our battle cry be, destroy all monsters. Be prepared. See for yourself in color from American International. Destroy all monsters. Monster. 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 This picture is rated G for general audiences. Destroy all monsters. Monster. 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 You know, listeners, I was going to record this episode of Monster Kid Radio with King Kong, but, you know, we changed things up a little bit, had to replace King Kong with the next best thing, Andy Campbell. How you doing, sir? <laughs> Not too bad. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm doing good. Welcome to the show. And it's the first time we've had you on in a while. It has been a couple of years, at least. Has it been that long? Yeah, I think. God, I'm going to say episode in the 60s, maybe. Wow. Why did we wait so long? I don't know. I've been on a bit of a podcasting hiatus. But I heard a rumor that some stuff might be coming back. Yes, yes. I am bringing it back. I think in March it will be one year since my last episode. And I, I in fully intend to, to reboot it wow. before I hit that one year. Wow. So we're talking about Kaiju 101. Yes. Which was a fun, interesting, fascinating podcast. You brought your background in science and mixed it with our Kaiju films. It was just a lot of really interesting information that you brought. So I miss it, and I'm excited to have it come back. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm sort of broadening it out a bit. It's oh, yeah? not going to be so narrowly focused on sort of the science of it. Yeah? It was a grind. You know, it was... Research, I'm sure. Hours and like days of research, and then, you know, a 15-minute episode. So I'm going to bring it back. I'm still going to have science, but I'm going to talk about, you know, history and other things and, you know, mix it in with talking about Godzilla and kaiju and monster movies in general. Stuff that we love, man. Yeah. The last time we had you on, we talked about a non-Godzilla movie. This is the first time we've had you on for a proper kaiju film. Mm-hmm. Yes, we had Deadly Mantis last time. So we're still talking about giant arthropods, giant bugs, but <laughs> <laughs> from Japan this time. Yeah, this time from Japan, a kaiju film proper. Yes. You know, I don't know if you've listened to the more recent episodes of Monster Kid Radio, but one thing that I've been trying to bring back is the classic five. Mm-hmm. My my rapid fire yes or no type questions having to do with classic monster movies. I thought that since it's been so long since we've had you on, we'd start with a round of that with you. Oh, absolutely. You, you good for that? All right. So I I've got good. a deck of cards here. I've been, I don't know if listeners can hear it, but I've been shuffling it as we've been speaking here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a number of just random questions about classic monster movies. And I'm just going to grab five cards at random and we'll go from there. 
All right. All right. You ready? We're ready. I need some theme music for this or something at some point. And, oh, my God, I kid you. You know, whenever I have a kaiju person on the show, mm-hmm. one of the kaiju cards comes up. It's not planned, but the first card, question for you, <laughs> King Kong or Godzilla? <laughs> oh, I know. I'm going to catch hell in the kaiju community. Uh-oh. But King Kong. Really? Really. I like Godzilla as a character more. Uh-huh. But the original King Kong had such an impact on me, it's Kong all the way. Wow. Yes. I guess in terms of film quality, the first King Kong is amazing. It's a masterpiece. Not to say the first Godzilla is not good, but no, I hear you. It was just, it was also, it was probably the first monster movie I ever saw. Oh, okay. And I was, you know, a nut for monster movies and dinosaurs, and it's just, it's stuck with me ever since. I can see that. All right, card number two, favorite Boris Karloff role. Oh, it's got to be Frankenstein. The monster? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Frankenstein's monster. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I, I, was, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot. Yeah, you know, but, but, you know, people really know it's... No, I'm just... Yeah. I think, you know, people know when you say Frankenstein, you mean Frankenstein's monster. They should just be synonymous. Right. I think people should just let it go. Right. <laughs> Especially when I say it. There, there you go. <laughs> All right. So, card number three, the Gill Man or the She-Creature? Gill Man. Of course. Oh, I don't even know why that card's in here. Come on. <laughs> Christopher Lee or Peter Cushing? Christopher Lee. Okay. Mm, yeah, no, Christopher Lee. Yeah, you know, he he had uh, heavy metal albums and Peter Cushing didn't. And that really <laughs> what, uh, puts him over the top for me. Well, I'm trying to imagine Peter Cushing's voice with heavy metal. <laughs> I mean, I can hear Lee. I'm mean, Obviously, you know, we, we heard Lee, but... Hmm. <laughs> and I answer that question. I am relatively... New into the Hammer horror. Yeah. I think when we recorded last, I had mentioned that I had never actually seen a Hammer horror movie. Okay. And I've been watching them uh, gradually. <laughs> if only there was a podcast you could listen to. <sighs> Somebody should do one. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. Card number five. Last one. Favorite mad scientist. Favorite mad scientist. Oh, that's a hard one. And it's right up my alley, too, you know. Uh-oh. The Fly. What was his, the character's name in The Fly? Oh, man. I know you're – yeah. Um... Turned himself into a fly. Yep. Right there. That's that, that guy. Wins. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. It was, that uh, guy. The fly. The fly. Yeah. No, no. Do- that was Dr. Fly. Delombre. Delombre. That's right. Andre Delombre. There you go. Okay. Solid film. Now, mm-hmm. once you get into some more Hammer films, though, and you see some Peter Cushing playing Frankenstein, you know. No. Just, okay. Just saying. And that's Dr. Frankenstein, not the monster. Just, okay. you know, just to be clear. <laughs> just to be <laughs> Don't want to mess that up. <laughs> awesome. One of these days, I'm going to like have these printed up and sell them on my website or something. How many cards are in that deck? Uh, let's see. I am looking at a good, I don't know, 75 or so. Oh, yeah? At least. I've got a master list of questions around here somewhere. They're all numbered. But, uh, yeah, no, I've got a big thick. I'm looking about an, well, maybe three-quarter of an inch yeah. thick. So Nice. One of these days, you know, when I'm not watching monster movies. <sighs> There's a Kickstarter. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Godzilla, Ebira, and Mothra in one of the most explosive action pictures ever to hit the screen. From the depths of the ocean comes the most terrifying horror of the deep. Within the mountain caves comes the dreaded monster Godzilla. 
see the most titanic battle ever screened when the monster of the deep challenges the mighty Godzilla. So when I wanted to have you back on the show, we had been talking about this for a while now, and you brought up this film, Godzilla versus the Sea Monster. I gotta know. I, I gotta know. This is one of your favorites, I'm assuming, right? This is, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so much fun. Top 10 kaiju movie for me. Really? Oh, yeah. It is just, it is so much fun. Like, you can argue that, you know, maybe the effects aren't as good as some of the other ones, or it's not quite as serious in tone, but it's just, it's action-packed and it's fun. I love it. I like it because it's not as serious. I mean, I like my serious stories, and I like, like, King Ghidra and all those others, but, <clears throat> you know, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster, I like that serious kind of story in there. But this one, it's kind of light. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, everything from the music to the performances to the story itself is a little goofy sometimes. It doesn't matter. I love it. Mm-hmm. And even like the protagonists, you know, in the previous movies, they're all reporters or scientists, you know, these authority figures. And in this one, it's some teenagers and a safe cracker. You know, if I can back up, actually, the first time you saw this film, did you know he was not the boat owner, the owner of the ship? No. Kind of a little twist. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Don't recall the first time I saw this movie. That was my next question. So, <laughs> well, this actually I do recall because this was when Godzilla '98 came out, the first American one. Uh-huh. As terrible as that movie was, one of the good things about it is it brought back a lot of the older movies onto VHS. This is true, mm-hmm. and so this is one of the first ones that I ever saw. Where I was from, you know, these movies weren't really anywhere to be found. I'd seen, uh, you know, Godzilla 1985 a bunch of times, but never any of the older Japanese ones. So when Godzilla 98 came out and all the VHS tapes started flooding the market, this was one of the first ones I ever saw. Yeah, that's true. I think as much as we cringe about the Godzilla 98, the, the Broderick thing, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. If it, we didn't have that happen, I don't know if we would have had the resurgence of the home market releases of a lot of these. And I mean, would we get in 2000, you know, the Jap- Japan started the, the Millennium series. Would any of that had come out if not for the sort of disaster that was Godzilla 98? Well, and we're seeing that happen now, too, with the legendary film here and now Japan's doing their own, mm-hmm. which Absolutely. is great. Bring it on. I want more Godzilla in the world. <laughs> And I am, you know, I got to say, I am more excited for the legendary Kong versus Godzilla than I am for the new Japanese Godzilla. Really? So yeah. We're going back to the Kong thing again. I, I'm interested to see where they're going to go with it. Yeah, yeah. there's definitely going to be a lot of retconning with that. I don't know if you've seen any of the set photos from this Kong Skull Island. I haven't, no. So before King Kong versus Godzilla, Legendary is going to make their own standalone Kong movie. Right, and it's just called Skull Island, right? Yeah. Okay. But some of the set photos that have leaked, you know, Kong is enormous. They've scaled him up to sort of Godzilla size. Sure. Well, they, they did that the first time around. Mm-hmm. They kind of had to make him bigger mm-hmm. to make him fit. King Kong versus Godzilla, the original film, was the first one that I saw on the big screen and is the film that's responsible for turning me into a kaiju fan. Yeah, oh, that's a good one, too. Yeah, oh, it was amazing. I saw it here in Portland. Kyle from the Kaiju cast introduced it at the Hollywood Theater. And it was just a real treat and changed my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Filled the Godzilla's whole size in my heart. Wait a minute, Godzilla's size hole in my heart. That's it. And uh, man, it's still early. Uh, <laughs> and it really kind of put me on the path. This movie, Godzilla versus the Sea Monster, the first time I saw it was when it came out on Blu-ray a couple of years ago. The Kraken release. A bit of a bare bones release, but it looks pretty good. It's very bare bones, but yeah, no, it looks great. And I was checking to see if it's still in print and listeners, $8 on Blu-ray right now. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong. And when that came out, they released a whole bunch of other ones. So there's, you know, there's a lot of 
affordable Godzilla Blu-rays out there. I snatched them all up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Me too. <laughs> Got to have them. Got to have them on blue and so you can really <laughs> see the line holding up Mothra. Oh, man. That's one of the downsides of all these Blu-ray upgrades is you notice those wires. <laughs> and not just with this, but like any film, you know, you can really see the seams, the zippers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's unfortunate. War of the Worlds <laughs> is pretty notorious for having a high def restoration and seeing the lines holding up the flying saucers. But, <laughs> you know, whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. Doesn't take me out of the movie at all. Mm-hmm. Great. Now, sir, speaking of Kong. Yeah. Maybe before we start really getting into this movie. You know, we should maybe touch on a little bit of the history of this movie. Yes, please do. I was trying to allude to that a little bit at the very beginning of this. This was going to be a Kong film. This was going to be a Kong film. Yes. Uh, Rankin Bass, who's famous for all their, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Christmas specials. They actually, they had a King Kong cartoon mm-hmm. in the 60s. And part of their option was a King Kong movie. And they approached Toho. Where do you go when you want, you know, a an affordable, well-made monster movie? You go to Japan. Sure. And Toho comes back with this script where King Kong fights a giant shrimp. And it was actually called, I think it was called Operation Robinson Crusoe. That sounds about right, yeah. Yeah. And Rankin Bass got cold feet and said, no, we'll wait. And, you know, Toho, not wanting to waste any money, had this perfectly good script. So they just, I think literally they just went through the script and they found every reference to King Kong, and they just crossed that out, and they wrote in Godzilla. <laughs> the equivalent of doing the find and replace on Word. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> find King Kong, replace it with Godzilla. Yeah, the whole setup for how the monster's introduced, how Godzilla's introduced, it feels very Kong, not Godzilla at all. Mm-hmm. And even the way he kind of interacts with our female lead, too, is, again, very Kong. Very Kong. And there is a bunch of other sort of nods to King Kong mm-hmm. when he defeats Ibira. And he rips off his claws. You notice he sort of takes a minute and he plays with the claw. You know, he opens and closes it a bunch of times, mm-hmm. as Kong did when he defeated the T-Rex in the original. When he sort of rips his jaws open, he st- takes a moment and he plays with the jaws a bit. Yep. So there's a bunch of, you know, sort of nods to King Kong. Now, Rankin-Bass would eventually pull the trigger on a King Kong film or two with Toho, right? Yes. With King yes. Kong Escapes. And Maybe a year or two years later, yeah, King Kong Escapes. Which is one of my absolute favorites. And I don't, it is, too. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as ugly as that Kong suit is, it is a terrific movie. You know, it's it's, it's Rhodes' reason, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have an Italian movie poster for that around here somewhere I need to put up. I love that film. But yeah, no, uh, this one I'd love to get a movie poster of as well, The Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster, although it was released as... Is it okay? Is it Ebera, 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 Ebera? Ebera. I'm not sure. It has a couple of names actually. It's uh, Ebera Horror of the Deep. I think is what they released it in over in the states. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the original Japanese title is actually Big Doodle in the South Sea. I like that. Yeah, that sounds cool. (laughs) (laughs) And the first time I saw it, I didn't realize Mothra was going to be in it. Neither did I. It's kind of a surprise. You know, they don't really telegraph that at all on, you know, the box art or, or anything. Right. And, you know, they pray to her, you know, during the movie, but, or I guess it's him. They refer to it as him in this movie. It sort of goes back and forth. They really do kind of, I don't know, she's fluid, I guess. I don't know. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Mother is fluid, gender fluid. Yeah. Do you know how well the movie did when it was released box office-wise? I don't, actually. I assume it did all right. I mean, this is what, mid to late 60s, Godzilla, they keep cranking them out and there's a reason for it. You know, after like King Kong versus Godzilla was, you know, the high watermark as far as ticket sales go. True. And after that, it sort of started declining 
I think before this was Godzilla versus Monster Zero. And then the budget started falling and they started, it's called the Island series. You know, they moved Godzilla away from, you know, those big expensive cities and onto an island. Mm, Budget started decreasing, ticket sales started decreasing. And it wasn't long after this, uh, I think, you know, next one is Son of Godzilla. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And eventually they had Destroy All Monsters, which was supposed to be the big send off. You know, that was supposed to be the last Godzilla movie because ticket sales were just, they were in the tank. Mm -hmm. You know, they were going to do this big blowout, have all the Godzilla movies and her Godzilla monsters in one movie. And that did so well that they just so they changed their mind <laughs> and brought it back. Right? No, it's a great film. I, that's probably one of the better ones, I think. One of my favorites, actually. Just you see so many of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and the, the human stories are kind of fun too. It's just great. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. I hadn't really thought about it. Taking them away from the big cities, you're going to cut back on your budget for sure because you're not making nearly as many models. But no, you're right. Something I wasn't really aware of seeing that trend going from yeah. city to island. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, it's a lot cheaper to have them fight in a pool of water. In a bottle city. Bat the same rock back and forth. <laughs> Save somebody that way. The whole game of volleyball. Was... Yeah. And that's unfortunately not the only time that happens. It's, that happens in a few different films where they <laughs> bat rocks back and forth to each other. Well, that's, you know, that's something I never quite understood about these movies. Apparently these monsters are impervious to missiles and bullets and all sorts of things. But you kick a rock at them and they're down for the count. <laughs> Maybe it's like a, a natural element can – I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where I was about to go with that. But it doesn't make much sense. You're absolutely right. And especially when he headbutts it back at the, the giant shrimp. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're getting way ahead. Um, historically, this one comes out like in 66. You said Son of Godzilla is next. We're right in the middle of apparently this downturn in Godzilla ticket sales. What was the decision behind giving it this kind of music? Because it is so unique. I would love to know that if anybody knows. Yeah, no, I'm not sure, but it is it is such a radical departure. Mm-hmm. And part of it is because they brought in a new composer and a new director. You know, the last movies, they were directed by Honda and uh-huh. scored by uh, Akira Ifukube. You know, he's got all the iconic scores. Sure. And for this movie, they bring in director is Jun Fukuda, you know, who's more known for his comedies. And a, a new uh, composer, uh, Masara Sato. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of uh, Kurosawa films. Right, like Hidden Fortress and things like that. Mm-hmm. The previous movie they moved, they worked on was actually a James Bond spoof called 100 Shot, 100 Killed. Really? And Yeah, and they worked together on that. And you can definitely hear a lot of those sort of James Bond-esque sort of themes. Yeah, no, this one's got this kind of jazzed-up spy kind of thing going on with you know, a little bit of surf and a little bit of just kind of fun that you don't mm-hmm. get with the Afukabe scores, which are also great. I love mm-hmm. them. They're iconic for a reason. They're, they're amazing scores, but this one is just so funky. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's great. I love it. <laughs> I find myself listening to it quite a bit. I listen to scores all day at work basically. And, uh, just one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Always puts a, a little pep in my step when I'm feeling a little run down. It's like, oh, I wish I could go home. I wish it was over. Let's play some Godzilla versus the sea monster. Yeah, let's uh, perk things right up. <laughs> Fight some jet fighters and, you know, <laughs> while surfing, hanging 10. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Jun Fukuda would go on to do quite a few Godzilla films as well, right? Mm-hmm, Did yeah, a few think- other like Gigan and Megalon. Yeah, and right after this, he did Son of Godzilla. Oh, did he stick around for that one? Okay. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, he's been on record as not being a huge fan of his work 
in the in the science fiction movies. Oh, really? He's not a big fan of his own work, sort of his Godzilla movies. Is it because it's a well, it's a silly sci-fi movie, or is he just because he was more known for you said comedy? He's yeah, more known for his comedy, and there was a lot more. You know, I think when I was researching this one, one of his quotes about sort of the making of this movie is, "They asked me to pour two cups of water into one cup." Uh. Like they. You know, they wanted so much, but they weren't giving him the resources to do it. Gotcha. Yeah, it was not not his cup of tea. I appreciated his efforts. <laughs> I am. Yeah, that's the funny thing. Like, his, some of his movies are my favorite ones. Like, you know, this one and yeah, maybe just this one. <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of like Godzilla versus Megalon. It's because I love Jet Jaguar. So. <laughs> That one is not one of my favorites. <laughs> Probably for all the wrong reasons, but I do like that one quite a bit. <laughs> and this also uh, kind of marked a slight departure, a slight turn. This was the last one that uh, Subaraya was overly involved with. I know he kind of supervised things, but at this point, he's off kind of doing his own thing as well, right? Yeah, he still credited it with it, but right. um, yeah, special effects crew started started taking over. I think he was working on Ultraman by this point. Yes. Love me some Ultraman. <laughs> <laughs> I I am not. <laughs> Not a fan? <laughs> well, I shouldn't say I'm not a fan. I've watched a bit of it, but it's you know it's a little bit harder to find, so it's not something that I've ever gotten into. I love what I've seen so far. One of these days, I'm going to do a big Ultraman show. One, one okay. of these days. We'll see. It's <laughs> 50-year anniversary. Come on. you got to do something. That's right. got to represent. Uh, speaking of which, let's see. It's 2016. This movie came out in 1966. Do the math, guys. It's uh, what the 50-year anniversary for this 50 one, right? 50-year anniversary of this movie, yeah. There should be a big celebration. There should be. We, well, that's what we're doing you know, this now, is right? A, this set? That's right. <laughs> Wasn't, yeah, because we planned this well in advance. Yes. <laughs> a couple of years, at least. <laughs> yes, there you go. So the most recent time I watched this was the subtitled version. Uh, what did you watch? I watched the dub version. Okay. Because I was watching, I was taking notes and like, you know. I don't find there to be a huge difference. Some of the names are a little different, but mostly names that are mentioned in the background. Mm-hmm. But I don't find a huge difference. Are you talking about like differences between the American cut and the... The, the language itself, the dialogue itself. Um, no, I don't think so. Like, I think at this point, like, because in previous movies, there would be huge differences between the American and... Japanese releases. Right. But at this point, it was just not cost effective to do an updated version. Right. So they would just do a straight conversion, I guess you could say. Yeah, just kind of port it over, bring over a couple of voice actors to do some dialogue and call it good. Yeah. And uh, the declining quality in, in the voice acting is noticeable on the American dub. Yeah. It is quite, quite irritating, some of the voices they picked. Yeah, I actually thought, you know, I should watch the dub version for this just because that's what I've been doing for the other ones lately. But I started it and it's like, I just, I don't have it in me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. And, you know, the previous Godzilla movies, they actually, they took time and care to match up words with lip movements. And I think by this point, they were done with that. We'll do it as cheaply as possible. You know, we'll hire as small a cast as possible and get them to do different voices. Because some of them, they're just so grating. Yeah. Not good with the character names, but sort of the clumsy doofus one. He's got a real irritating voice like this. <laughs> and listening to that the whole movie. Listen, that's probably enough, actually, just that, what you just did. <laughs> I don't need any more. I did hear or read somewhere that is rumored, I don't know if it's true or not, that Hal Linden, Barney Miller, did some voices on this. Oh, really? The, the guy who played Barney Miller from that TV show. Oh, wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> that I did not know. I don't know how accurate that is. I just read something online. It's like, oh, well, that's interesting. I don't know if I'm going to go back and watch it in dubbed anytime soon to see if I can pinpoint it. But <laughs> I did the subtitled version. And I did notice a couple of just name changes like who originally owned the boat that they steal. Things like oh, okay. that. L- little bits, little things here and there. Mm. Nothing too striking or glaring. I mean, the same story, basically. So, uh, Speaking of which, we want to talk a little bit about the story here overall. Is there a story? <laughs> Is there a story? It's true. Half an hour into this, and we'll <laughs> start talking about the story. <laughs> Good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does kind of just wander all over the place. It does. I mean, it opens with, you know, the mother of this lost sailor praying, or I guess not praying, but foreseeing that her son is still alive. And then it immediately goes to a dance marathon, (laughs) which I mean, as far as dance marathons go, if the first prize is the luxury yacht, that's a pretty good sign up. Yeah. I'll do what I can to, nobody wants to see that actually. Although there, I got to say there's a number of times in this movie where I said to myself, everybody there is dead. (laughs) If you, have been dancing for three days straight, no sleep, no food, no water, you would die. <laughs> and that's the scientist speaking here, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't imagine. I mean, staying awake for three days sounds impossible, but staying awake and dancing? Yeah, without any breaks. I would drop dead. Yeah, there's no way. I, you know, I, when I was younger, I could do like all nighters working on projects, things like that, but. Yeah, I have a hard time staying awake for like a good 12 hours straight sometimes. So I don't care how nice that boat is. I'm, yes, just, I'm going true. to bed. That's true. It's going to be easier to just get a job and pay for it. He wants to win the dance competition. The younger brother wants to win the dance competition because he wants to win that luxury yacht mm-hmm. to, to go save his brother. Yes. Go find his brother and bring him home. Mm-hmm. He shows up three days too late to start he the dance competition. three days too late. <laughs> yeah. And then he, he finds two flunkies that have just dropped out and with very little hesitation decide to take the stranger to the docks to tour some boats. Want to see some boats? Sure. Come on. Let's go see some boats. All right. <laughs> let's go to the docks. You're wandering around the dock and, you know, what do you do? You just sort of jump in and help yourself. Sure. So they get to the dock and they the first one that looks unlocked and unguarded, they decide to go below deck. As you do. As you do. Sure. Well, they wouldn't have left it unlocked if they didn't want visitors, right? Is that how that works? <laughs> I think that's how it works. You know, I don't know how it is up there in Canada, but here in America. <laughs> well, I live by the ocean. You know, I'm going to go test that out. I'm just going to okay. go to the dock. Okay. I'm going to find the first unlocked one. <laughs> and I'm going to go sailing for monsters. Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Bring your portable recorder because I want to hear that podcast. <laughs> oh, it'll be on the news, I think. <laughs> They just basically turn their back on the young guy who wants to see the boats, and he just launches the vessel. Mm-hmm. They just take off. So I guess we should mention there is somebody else on this boat. Yeah, we do discover there's somebody else on the boat. Yes, he is maybe the owner, maybe not. He's got a gun. He's got a gun. Yeah, Akira Takarada, mm-hmm. who, if you know Godzilla movies, he's been in all of them, basically. <laughs> yeah, and he's great. I mean, he's such a welcoming presence in these movies. It's a departure from some of his other roles where, again, he was, you know, these serious authority figures. Right. And then this time he gets to sort of play a bit of a bad guy. He's like the Han Solo role, you know? Exactly. He's kind of a... Yeah. Lovable rascal. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, he's great. But he's got the gun. You think he'd just have him all turn around and go back, but no, he's not really the owner. No, he boat. decides, you know, we'll we'll sleep on it. <laughs> <laughs> you people who are just going to hijack my boat. Everybody go to bed and we'll talk about it in the morning. <laughs> well, the radio talks about it for them and tells them that the boat's been stolen. It belongs to a wealthy American. But by that point, it's too late because they're already in the middle of the ocean. The gun disassembled with the barrel bent in half by some superhuman. <laughs> yeah, how did that happen? They're very understanding or forgiving about the fact that they've just been kidnapped. There's almost no fight back. No, it's like, oh, okay. Okay, you're going to steal a boat and take us in the middle of the ocean. I guess we'll just go with it. <laughs> it's like how the party comes together in an old Dungeons & Dragons game. There's mm -hmm. no reason for them to be hanging out, but they do, so they do. <laughs> That's a good way of thinking about it. Yeah, the party's now been assembled. There's a radio there. Yeah. Like, they could just radio for help, but no... We'll just go with it. Well, we, we do find out that the reason he's trying to say off the radar is because he is a, a robber. He's got a briefcase full of money. Mm-hmm. And spends his trip making skeleton keys. Chekhov's skeleton keys, kind of, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Well, you can't get into the ocean in a giant monster movie without running into a giant monster or two. That's right. And eventually we see, and I thought this was a neat entrance, the giant claw slowly breaking the water. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really good. I thought it was really effective. I did, too. I really enjoyed it. I like this monster. I like Ibra a lot. I love... This is one of my favorite monster designs. Yeah? There's just something so already alien and weird about, you know, a shrimp with its many legs and its claws and its weird sort of hairy mouth. Right. It's really effective scaled up into a big giant monster. There's something about sea life that's just so alien anyway or can be. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the Lovecraft fan in me talking here. Yeah. You know, you, you get the tentacles and the weird legs and the segmented bodies and all that. And it's just, they're creepy. And it blow them up big like that. Yeah. And they have this giant thing. It, and it's not symmetrical either. So you've got like this one big giant claw and then the smaller hand. So it's throwing you off a little bit there too. And it's just creepy looking and he looks good. He does some pretty vicious things. This is the first time we actually see a kaiju target and kill a person. Is it? Like, we know, you know, you assume that, you know, when Godzilla knocks a building over, people are dead. Right. And it sort of shows the aftermath. But you never actually see, you know, in this movie, God, your Abira you know, stabs these people yeah. with his pincers and then eats them. That's awesome. <laughs> Pretty intense. Yeah. For a movie that feels kind of lighthearted and fun. Yeah. <laughs> we got to keep it real by spearing these two guys. Maybe they thought, you know, a giant shrimp, you know, on the face of it doesn't sound that scary. So we really got to amp this up. Let's have them kill a person. <laughs> yeah, and they do amp it up. It's great. Yeah. I do like this monster design a lot. Have there been action figures or, or models of this one made? Because if there are, I need to have one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have, I have a little, you know, a small, like, little six-inch one. As with any Godzilla character, there are very, very expensive toys out there. Ah, uh, see, that was the word I was not wanting to hear. Expensive. <laughs> but, you know, my, I got mine for less than 50 bucks, and it's a cool little figure. Uh-huh. Yeah, or any shrimp. You know, you could just buy any shrimp and call it Ibira. I won't tell. No one would know. <laughs> that is a cool-looking monster. I like that monster design a lot. And it did show up a couple of other times briefly. but Briefly. they you know, It's like stock footage. Lot, they use it a lot in stock footage. But he doesn't actually get an updated design 
until I think 2004 in Final Wars, where he has you know the the unfortunate encounter with the mutants. I think it's one of the only times you see people actually kill a kaiju. I don't know if you've seen Final Wars. No, or not. I have. Yeah, I've seen pretty much all of them at this point. And, yeah. Uh, Final Wars has got a lot of problems anyway, as far as oh, I'm okay. concerned. But yeah. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Either. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> to each your own. I know yeah. it's got an audience. This film, though, I think is so good, and partly because of the Abira, because it's got that fun score. Uh, when Abira attacks a boat, and, uh, well, they, they, he spares them. He, I'm assuming it's a he. He doesn't kill these four. We're talking about how he's, Abira kills people. He doesn't kill these four. They wash up on an unmarked island somewhere. Mm-hmm. Does the island have a name? Oh. I don't remember if it did. I don't remember. I mean, they're, they're trying to keep it off the map anyway, kind of low-key, because they're doing some pretty illegal things here. we got a group called the Red Bamboo, mm-hmm. and they're making heavy water for nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. And they're using slaves to do it. Slaves from Infant Island. If I were to go find slaves somewhere, <laughs> yes. I probably wouldn't go to the island that's known to have a giant monster on it and pick those people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, not, yeah, they pick the, the people who worship a giant monster and whose giant monster has repeatedly intervened on their behalf. Yeah. It's not the people you want to enslave. Maybe just leave them alone. Yeah, just, just back up. Not that you want to enslave anybody, making that clear, listeners, but <laughs> if I had to, gun to head, I would not go yeah. to Mothra's people. <laughs> Even though she doesn't show up in the last minute anyway. That's true. That's true. Actually, when she shows up at the very end, I had, it's been a while since I've seen this, and I had forgotten that she does actually appear full on at the end. I knew she was there at the beginning where, or when we first meet her, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. I forgot that she was the reason they all got off the island to begin with. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves. So Red Bamboo is this kind of military-ish type organization making this heavy water, using these slaves to do it. When the slaves try to run off, they don't try to recapture them. They just shoot them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not yeah, messing around. that's another sort of not expected from a Godzilla movie. <laughs> no. Yeah, just yeah, gun down. Yeah. So yeah, Red Bamboo, they mean business. They do. They do. Well, you know, one of them's got that wicked-looking eye patch, so you know they're serious. Yes. The, the commander there. I forget the person who played him, but he's pretty person impressive. The person who played him was uh, Akihiko Harada. Okay. And he was actually, he wore the eye patch in the original Godzilla. Was that him? That was Dr. Sarazawa from the original oh, Godzilla wow. movie. Oh, wow. See, I've seen these movies, not nearly as much as people like you or Kyle or some of the others, but... You know, I'm still trying to put the pieces together and connections together. That's fantastic. That's great. Yeah, no, a lot of the sort of series regulars are in this movie. No, I liked him. He's great. Mm-hmm. He was a, a good villain. Yeah. A good villain who still answered to somebody but still had control. I, he was a good character. Well-written, good dialogue, good motivations. Yeah. I did like what he was doing there. We had a, a young female slave. I think the only woman we see at the very beginning of the, the slaves being introduced. And she becomes our, I guess, fifth musketeer of our mm-hmm. five heroes. Yes. Dio. Dio? Dio. <laughs> Fighting the temptation to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> to sing. <laughs> yeah. Played by Kumi Mizuno. Mm-hmm. Is she another regular? She's another regular. She was in uh, Monster Zero. She was Miss Namakawa. Mm-hmm. She was in War of the Gargantuas as well, wasn't she? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And I know she was in Matango, which is another favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. So we've got her running around, and we've got the four castaways, I guess, shipwrecked. Through some dialogue, we learned that the brother that the younger guy was looking for did actually turn up on Infant Island. Safe and sound on Infant Island. The rest of the movie just feels like them running around hiding from every. <laughs> Hiding from Red Bamboo, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And then they stumble across Godzilla sleeping in a mountain somewhere. 
<laughs> and that, I think, in every other Godzilla movie, you know, he's always making this grand entrance. You know, he busts up through the water or from underground. And in this one, I thought it was really neat. They just sort of stumble upon him, sort of napping. Like, oh, hey, Godzilla's here. <laughs> Careful, don't wake him up. <laughs> no, wait, I got an idea. Let's wake him up instead. <laughs> Let's do wake him up. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so they, yeah, they find Godzilla, and they're trying to find a way into the enemy base, which leads to sort of my favorite part in the movie. Uh-huh. They Looney Tune style sort of sneak up, do the old hide behind a bush, <laughs> where they wait for the spotlight to move, and then they take a few steps. <laughs> And then wait for the spotlight to move. I thought that was great. That was a ton of fun. That was And then the worst guards in the world, Deo releases a dove. Uh Uh-huh. And they go, oh, it was just a bird. And then they immediately leave their post, (laughs) allowing our safe cracker to use his newly minted skeleton key to get into the building. Yep. But, uh, yeah, that was just a great sequence. I love oh, that. Oh, it's fun. I mean, this whole movie just drips of fun and a little bit of irreverence without being disrespectful. It's just a fun ride. And, and that moment, there's the bit where they're trying to get across the courtyard in the, uh, the, oh, where the two are in the guard costume uniforms. Yeah, and they're, they're hidden behind two big pieces of sheet metal. <laughs> <laughs> the worst, yeah, again, the worst guards in the world. That looks very suspicious. I am not a trained guard. I would immediately be suspicious if I saw two guys in lab coats carrying two pieces of sheet metal to a locked door. <laughs> it just seems unusual. Just a little bit. Yeah. And you don't need the plinky, plinky, plinky sound effect as they're walking to know that. It's just <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, it's very Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. This is where pretty much where they discover that Red Bamboo is doing all this heavy water. They're doing some illegal things. And, mm-hmm. and another scene, like I had mentioned before, there are scenes in this movie where everybody dies. <laughs> When he's cracking, you know, the big safe door and he finally gets the combination, he opens it, they all walk in and then they go, oh, this is a nuclear reactor. And they walk back out. They're dead. (laughs) They walked into a nuclear reactor. (laughs) They're all dead. (laughs) Shame on the red bamboo. That door should have been clearly labeled (laughs) nuclear reactor. That is not very work safe. Somebody call OSHA. Yeah. I did think that was odd. It's like, oh, it's and, and how do they know just walking in? Oh, wait a minute. We, this is a bad idea. And they just no, all my hair out. fell out. Oh, it's a new <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I like the production design of this, this lab area, though. I like the colors and the way it's put together. Mm-hmm. It just feels a little cartoony come to life. Mm-hmm. I do like that to kind of go with the Looney Tunes uh, analogy we were making earlier. It does feel that way. Mm-hmm. I like the production design of this thing. I mean, most Godzilla movies have decent production design where it counts, and this one I think delivers as well. Yeah. I do think it was a little goofy the way they wake up Godzilla. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I guess when, back when they were in the red bamboo, they stumble upon the storage locker, <laughs> and Deo finds a necklace, or what she thinks is a necklace, which we later find out is a, just a roll of what, copper wire? <laughs> sure. Glad she found it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they, they connect that to, uh, like, they, they mount a machete up on the top of the mountain and connect yeah, the wire to it. Yeah, a lightning rod to, sure. to wait Godzilla. And this is actually, this is another sort of instance where you can definitely tell that this was a Kong movie first. Yeah. Because in King Kong versus Godzilla, you know, one of 
Kong's abilities is he's able to draw strength from electricity. Right. When you zap him, he gets stronger. Yeah, exactly. And that's another find-replace instance in this movie. Godzilla doesn't turn up for a good... It's almost uh, an hour. Almost an hour, right? Before he wakes up, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's only a 90-minute movie, so he's really not in this movie much. But once he finally gets going, you know, the fight with Ibra, I love. I do, too. It's so good. You know, you, you get it above the water, you get it underwater. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they meet in the ocean and they play a little volleyball. With a rock. With a rock. I love that. They just sort of ping-pong back and forth. <laughs> and then... It's like Godzilla's got the atomic breath, man. Why are you yeah. picking up rocks and throwing them? <laughs> that should be your go-to. That, like, yeah. why don't you open with that? Yeah, yeah. And just, I gotta say, uh-huh. this is maybe the ugliest Godzilla suit in the entire series. You know, I'm not a big fan of the head. I think the head looks kind of... I think they reused warm. a lot from the previous movie. Yeah. It is very baggy. It is tattered. Godzilla, he looks like, it looks like a big potato sack, basically. It looks a little dumpy. Yeah. The eyes look really clouded over. I suppose that's how you save money on these Godzilla movies. You exactly. start reusing parts and kind of Frankensteining them together and hope what you got works. Exactly. I can't imagine walking around in those pools all day having these fight scenes is good for the latex. Mm-hmm. Or the rubber, and whatever they use. Like how heavy those costumes must have gotten once they got sort of soaked up a bit of water. Yeah. And they actually, some of the fight scenes were actually, they were both actors were totally submerged. Mm-hmm. And they would, they had airlines in between takes they would breathe from. I was wondering how they did that if they had something in, either inside the suit, which I thought might have explained why Godzilla looked so baggy, so there would be room for an air tank later. But if, if that, that's how they did it, with, with just breaking an airline off camera? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it was a dangerous work being a suit actor. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds dangerous. I mean, I can imagine just doing that without the suit, but you put that big, heavy suit on. Mm-hmm. Well, good for them, I guess. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. nobody died. Yeah, and dedicated to their craft. That's true. It is a craft. It absolutely suit is. Suit acting is definitely a craft, and that, that takes a lot of work. I did like the underwater scenes where... Mm-hmm. I know, like It sort of gave Abira a chance to yeah. use some of his, you know, shrimpy abilities. You see a lot of, like... Tail flicks. Shrimpy abilities. Shrimpy shrimp abilities, yes. Yes. <laughs> well, he did. It did highlight what he can do. It kind of put him on his turf. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the, the fights are pretty brief and one-sided. So it was nice to see, you know, him get the upper hand even just for a little bit. You know, he's able to escape quickly and he can sort of pull him underwater and try and drown him. I did like that. I like when he grabs his tail and starts dragging him under. Mm-hmm. It just—it's not—it's not a movie you see in a lot of Godzilla fights. Mm-hmm. It's usually two giant reptilian things kind of going at it, you know, around a city or on a beach somewhere. Yeah, this really was different. And I liked it. Mm-hmm. It's a nice change of pace. Mm-hmm. Even though once Godzilla's underwater, he again goes to the rock. Yeah, <laughs> picks up the rock and starts bashing him with it. Shoot your fire breath, man. Yeah, oh, and well. at the, you know the the end of the fight, he, he violently rips both his claws off, which That's pretty intense. The sound design on Ibira I really like because he – Yeah. The roar he lets out when his claws are pulled off are pretty good. Yeah. Definitely no. distressing, distressing noise. A distressing noise. Um, I mean, I like everything about Ibira anyway. The way he sounds when he screams, I guess. I just said yeah. air quotes for the listeners who are watching who are not really watching because that would be creepy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, the sound that he makes, his roar, when they pull off those claws – I don't know who did the sound design, and it is something that I'd be interested in learning more about with a lot of these kaiju films is what went into not just the roars, because you hear the stories about how they came up with Godzilla's roar, but all the other sound effects, too, because there's some good ones. 
There is, yeah, some really iconic mm-hmm. sounds that come out of this series. Yeah, I was just looking at the IMDb page. I don't know if there's a listing for sound. Well, there's a sound effects artist. Okay. I'll look into, look into those sometime off mic. Do some research. That'll be a fun project because, you know, I don't have anything else to do. Um, <laughs> speaking of what's hours, one more podcast? Yeah, come what's on. one more? Oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you think dancing for three days straight would kill you? That would kill me. Okay. <laughs> No, the, the big Godzilla fight's great. You know, the guys have to get off the island because somebody started to self-destruct. Of course. Of course. Which, I don't know if I would include a self-destruct sequence in my nuclear base. <laughs> I know it's a trope in these movies, but it just it's such a poor design choice. <laughs> There's always that big red button that says, do not press this button, but it's right. Why do you even have the button there? Of course it gets pushed, and they have two hours to get off the island. It was a nice chunk of time. I was like, oh, okay, they got some time. Oh, you know what we forgot to talk about? What's up? The yellow liquid. Ah, yes. That is the MacGuffin in this movie. You can't escape Abira's wrath without first spraying this yellow liquid around. That's how people get to and from the island. Yes. You've got to keep Abira away with this yellow liquid that the slaves are working on. They they have the slaves make it. That's right. That's why the slaves are on. That's why they've taken these slaves is because they're working, you know, in the the juice mines. And we see when we first see the red bamboo come to the island, they're spraying all this red or yellow liquid around. Right. So this is how you avoid Abira. And towards the end of the movie, you know, once the shipwreck guy gets there, he comes up with a great idea. We'll not juice the fruit. We'll juice the leaves. So that they have this sort of fake liquid to use. When the villains try to get away from the island on their ship, leaving all the slaves and everybody else behind, they try to spray the yellow fluid, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work, and Abira gets them. Yep. Well, how are our guys going to get off the island? I'm glad they have two hours, because they spend about an hour and 50 minutes praying that Mothra is going to show up. And the other 20 minutes futilely trying to press the button (laughs) that keeps just dropping out of reach. But this is what, you know, we do get Mothra and we get some Mothra action. She'll, uh, or he, or it will come to save our heroes mm-hmm. and fly them off into the distance. As the island blows up, is Godzilla going to make it? Well, I don't know. Yeah. A nice, you know, this is sort of Godzilla. Gradually, he starts becoming a hero. He's not the bad guy anymore. Yeah. And as they're being carried away by Mothra, they, you know, they realized, you know, Godzilla, he never hurt them. You know, in a way, he helped them. So, you know, we got to encourage him to get off the island before it blows up. They're yelling at him, you're going to blow up, run away, run away. Like, you think Godzilla understands? <laughs> well, he must, because he did eventually listen to them. That's true. That's true. And saves himself from the explosion, jumping into the ocean. Ensuring that we'll have another Godzilla movie soon. Although, you know, he was, you know, it's nuclear radiation, and it's not going to hurt him. Yeah, it, nothing else would just make him <laughs> fix the suit, right? Exactly. <laughs> it better. <laughs> I kind of want to go, well, I'm about to say, I can't believe I'm about to say this. I want to go watch Son of Godzilla now to compare the suit to this one. <laughs> that's not one of my favorites. If you mute the scenes with Minya, it's not a bad movie. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. It, it's, I try real hard to find something to like in every kaiju film, and Son of Godzilla is, you know... Son of Godzilla has the really great uh, praying mantis puppets and the tarantula puppets. It does. It does. And the Those music's really okay. Good. The music's mm-hmm. all right. You know. This uh, Mothra, they reused an old puppet. Okay. Noticeably, because it is very dusty and fuzzy looking. Yeah. Really unkempt moth. Yeah, and that's something that you really notice with the Blu-ray. Yeah. It just looks... 
it looks terrible. It looks like it's been, you know, on a shelf in storage for two years with a bunch of junk piled on top of it. Yeah. Although, and I forgot this, I had forgotten this until I watched it this time. At the very end, when you see Mothra flying off, they've actually gotten an animated Mothra's wings, mm-hmm. which I don't know if they've done that before. I don't know that they have either. And I thought it was a neat effect because that's, you know, one of my big criticisms of these flying monsters is they never really make an attempt to flap their wings. Yeah, they're always so stiff. They slowly move their wings up and down and, you know, we fill in the blanks using our imagination. But it was nice to see it actually flapping its wings. Right, and it worked for this because it's off in the distance. It's not – you have a little bit of cartoon wings and it works. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting to see that. Of course, all the good guys are going to survive. You know, none of our heroes, our main heroes really – die in the film everybody gets away and godzilla gets away to fight another day and yeah ibra kind of sort of shows up in other films sort of sort of i'd yeah. love to see him come back though i would too oh man that'd be he's great. a favorite of mine somebody needs to start writing that fan fiction <laughs> <laughs> we've got a whole series of godzilla movies coming maybe we'll we'll see him in that i don't know how likely that is no you know what's gonna happen we're gonna get Mothra and Ghidorah and all the usuals. Yeah, we'll get the, the big names. Yeah, the, the ones we've draws. seen a million times already. Oh, it's Ghidorah. Oh, it's Rodan again. Oh, Mechagodzilla. I haven't seen that five times already. I mean, I love Rodan. Don't get me wrong. I love them all. Yeah. I love Rodan. Rodan's one of my favorite films, but I would like to see some others. Mm-hmm. Maybe not King Caesar, but you know, I'd like to see some others. <laughs> no. <laughs> we, won't, uh, we won't bring him back. <laughs> no, that's okay. He showed up in Final Wars, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was the uh, soccer player. There it is, kicking things back and forth again. Yeah. What is yeah. that? It's no secret. I, I hate that movie. It's my least favorite Godzilla movie. It's um, it's a hot mess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hot mess. I like the American in it. He's just fun. But other than that. Don Fry. Yeah, he's just so over-the-top bad. I love it. Yeah. And uh, I saw him on TV a year or two ago doing a, what's the William Shatner travel app? Priceline. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw him doing a Priceline commercial. He was a motorcycle biker. Oh, yeah. Had a few lines of dialogue with uh, Shatner in a commercial. <laughs> it's like, that's it. That's Don Fry. He's also, he's not a not a very big fan of the movie. Oh, really? He's done convention appearances, and he does not speak well of his work in Final Wars. Can you blame him? No. <laughs> no, I cannot. <laughs> I, I know the movie has its fans, and that's not... We're not we're not here to bash them. We're here to celebrate versus I, the same I monster. I am here to bash them. Oh, okay, okay. It is a terrible movie, and you should all know better. <laughs> and that's what you're going to get on the the revamped Kaiju 101, right? That's right. I'm going to be meaner. I'm going to be... <laughs> <laughs> uh, invite people on who love that movie just to tear them down. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm going to edit them out of the podcast, and it's just going to be me yelling at them. <laughs> uh, I could probably listen to that for about five minutes. <laughs> that might be it. That might be my max. Do you have this on Blue? Do you have oh, that yeah. Blu-ray? Did we talk about that at the beginning? I, I think yes. everybody needs to have it. I think it's one of the better ones from this era of Godzilla. And it's so different in terms of the music and the style. It's a more fun, more loose. Mm-hmm. The previous ones, they were getting pretty samey. Like they were all yeah. formulaic. And then this one was just, it was so different from the rest of them. It's one of my favorites. You know, you think about it, take Godzilla and Abira out of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a group of teens <laughs> at a dance contest. They steal a yacht with a safe cracker. They go to an island and foil a terrorist plot. You know, that's a pretty fun movie. And then you throw a giant monster in. You know, this is in the 60s, which is the era of the beach movies, too, here in the States, right? So you've got that kind of wacky, hijinksy, maybe leading to some Scooby-Dooey kind of things happening here. 
Yeah. And then you throw in Godzilla. There was actually there was one scene that actually made me laugh pretty hard. It was when they're trying they're escaping from the red bamboo mm-hmm. and they have you know their only method or their only route of escape is to jump off a cliff. And the you know the cowardly guy he's oh he's working up the courage to jump and he finally jumps and then it turns out it's just to a ledge four feet down. That was the shaggy of the group right there. Yeah, who didn't want to totally jump. It was. That is very good. <laughs> that is an excellent description. That was fun too. I mean, even the, the really intense, I mean, this could have been a scary chase scene, you know, they're chasing them with guns, mm-hmm. but they add this lightheartedness to it that kind of counterpoints everything. And I know this is what I'm going to watch again before the end of the year. Like I said, I listened to the soundtrack repeatedly. It's just so goofy fun. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the score listeners, you need to pick it up. Oh, yeah. Highly recommend that. Yeah. And I'm glad you wanted to talk about this one because it gave me a chance to revisit one of my favorites. I'm going to say it's one of my favorites, too. I'm just flat out to say it. it's one of my favorites. <laughs> we Agreed. Can, we can still be friends? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good, good. <laughs> oh, let's see. A year later, they'd go into Son of Godzilla, and there'd be a few more in the Showa series. Yeah, Son of Godzilla, and then, you know, Destroy All Monsters, mm-hmm. and then Godzilla's Revenge, which yeah, was terrible. That's in there somewhere. Yeah, mm. and then, yeah, the 70s movies with Gigan and Megalon and Hedera. It progressively got weirder and weirder. Hedera's really weird. Oh, yeah. Interesting, but weird. It is as different a kaiju movie as you'll ever get. Yeah. It's good, too. I like it. Oh, sure. No, I do like them. And then, like I said, I, I try to find something to like about all these movies. It's sometimes hard with Godzilla Final Wars, but the rest of them, there's still some good things to enjoy. And this one's one of the most enjoyable. Andy, thank you for bringing it to the table here at Monster Kid Radio. And we got to get you back on the show before another year or two goes by. Absolutely. Anytime. I know we've talked a little bit about doing a few other things on the show, and I've got some theme months in mind that I think you're going to fit in just fine with, so I will be in touch. All right, perfect. And you mentioned this on Facebook, so I think it's probably okay to mention this on the podcast. You've got a monster kit of your own on the way? Yes, opening this summer. <laughs> <laughs> a monster kit of our very own. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, we were both we were very excited. So I think what you're saying since summer is when it's happening, we probably ought to get you on before then. Are you saying that these kids will take up a lot of my time? I, I don't know. That's what I hear. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's our first, so I have no idea how this goes. <laughs> well, congrats, man. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, no, we're both very excited. And when you bring Kaiju 101 back, please let me know. We'll make sure we're talking about it here on the show. Do you have a website or web presence or anything right now? Yeah, absolutely. Our website is uh, www.kaiju101.com. That's uh, the website, and then I'm pretty active on Facebook, too, if you go facebook.com slash kaiju101. We'll make sure there's links to that in the show notes as well. I'm assuming the kaiju101.com is where you'll be announcing the relaunch of the podcast. You'll be using the same feed? Yes, yeah. yeah. You won't have to update your feeds or, or anything. So get in there. Get in on that action now. Check out the old episodes and stay tuned for the new episodes coming from Andy. I'm looking forward to it again. Thank you so much. Thank you, Derek. Thanks for having me. I've asked Andy to keep us posted about the future of Kaiju 101. You can find Kaiju 101 on Facebook. They've got a page or Kaiju101.com or follow the link in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net. I'm excited to see, or I guess hear, what he's going to be working on next. Again, Andy, thank you for being part of this episode and best of luck with the future of Kaiju 101 and your burgeoning monster family. The mightiest monster the world has ever known. The mightiest egg the world has ever known. In 
Introducing the Son of Godzilla. The fantastic red water. One of the many weird natural phenomena on mysterious Sorgel Island. A great scientific experiment begins. Try another frequency. What is it? It seems as though something's jamming the wavelengths. Son of Godzilla. A rollicking monster spectacular. Baby monster becomes a monstrous monster. Do you enjoy movies like Carnival of Souls, The Mole People, Black Sunday, and The Tingler? Do you find yourself late at night reading magazines such as Film Max, Chiller Theater, or Monster Bash? Do you love vintage television programs like Sky King, Outer Limits, and the time tunnel. Do you find yourself surfing the net looking for the next monster movie festival or expo? Do you enjoy hearing anecdotes, cinematic details, and unusual insights into some of your favorite movies? If you answered yes to any of the above, you are encouraged to join your host, Vince Rotolo, as he examines some of the latest horror, sci-fi, and cult theatrical releases, new DVDs to add to your collection, and of course, the old classics, both good and bad. He even interviews people throughout B-Moviedom, so tune in to B-MovieCast at bmoviecast.com. Did I really use the word burgeoning at the end of the last segment? Anyway, let's talk about the Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. Now, you've probably seen a lot of people post about this already, and rightly so. It's a big deal, but it's also a heck of a lot of fun. For 14 years now, this is year 14, for 14 years, the Rondo Awards have honored the best in classic horror research, creativity, and film preservation. RondoAward.com is going to get you to the ballot where you can review every single category. There's over 20 different categories, as well as a number of write-in categories like Monster Kid Hall of Fame, Monster Kid of the Year, Writer of the Year, Artist of the Year, and so on. Now, right off the bat, I want to just say this. A lot of people sometimes feel overwhelmed 
by the ballot. There might be some categories or some entries in some categories that people might not be familiar with. And that's okay because you don't have to vote in every category. If you want to just vote for best movie, that's fine. Of course, I'd also appreciate any support you can throw your favorite podcast in category 17. Now, one of my favorite things to do with the Rondo Awards is to just go through the ballot and treat it like a shopping list, a checklist, to see what I've missed over the past year that might be interesting, something that I would like to see, read, view, whatever. And this year is no different. I love going through this ballot, and one of the things that I noticed on here was a comic called Blokes terrible tomb of terror it's in category 21 under best horror comic it's up against things like monster world rat god and godzilla in hell now i don't know what terrible tomb of terror is so i went and i looked it up and it's a nice thick black and white horror comic anthology put together by a guy by the name of jason crawley also known as the bloke who hosts the comic and hosts the story and also appears at various conventions around the country promoting the tomb of terror he sells the Tomb of Terror collections through his Etsy shop at etsy.com slash shop slash blokes tomb. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. I think it's pretty cool. I've read through issue one, or at least the first collection, and it's got this nice throwback retro 70s comic vibe that I just really respond well to right now. So I really recommend it. And again, if nothing else, the Rondo has introduced me to this really cool comic book collection. Now, the other thing that I like to do here at Monster Kid Radio with the Rondos is go through the entire ballot and just look to see how many people who've been on Monster Kid Radio within the past year appeared on this year's ballot. The friends of Monster Kid Radio are represented on this year's ballot, and I wanted to go over some of those with you now. I want to start with category number seven, which is the best independent film category. Now, there are three movies in this category that were directed by people who have appeared on Monster Kid Radio within the past year or so. Danny Johnson Saves the World was directed by Christopher R. Mim. Dracula AD 2015 was directed by Joshua Kennedy. And Tales of Dracula was directed by Joseph P. DeMuro and Thomas E. Rice. Now, you can see trailers for all three of these movies on YouTube, and Dracula AD 2015 is actually streaming only through YouTube. That's the only place you can find it. Danny Johnson Saves the World. Chris sells his movies for 10 bucks, And Tales of Dracula, well, you can get that through oldies.com. Now, Category 9 is Best Documentary. Jack Pierce, The Maker of Monsters, which was directed by Streffen Taylor. That's on the ballot. And then Hail to the King, 60 Years of Destruction, directed by Kyle Yount from the Kaiju cast. Hail to the King is only available on YouTube. Again, it's one of those streaming-only options. But that means you can see it for free right now. And I'm going to be honest with everybody. If you go and check out the message boards over at the Classic Horror Film Boards, you'll see that I talked quite a bit about making sure this ended up on the ballot. Read into that what you want. I love this documentary. Category 14 is for Best Columnist. The Doctor is Insane. That's Dr. Gang Green's column from Scary Monsters Magazine. That was nominated this year, as was Rondo Remembers by Ron Adams. Ron Adams is the man behind the Monster Bash convention, and his column appears in Monster Bash Magazine. Dr. Gang Green's website, Dr. Gang Green's Mad Blog, is also up for a Rondo in the category of Best Website or Blog of 2015. And for Best Convention of 2015, CthulhuCon is on the ballot. That's the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival and CthulhuCon, which we covered here on the show. In Category 20, Favorite Horror Host, Dr. Gang Green made the cut there as well. Now, that's just a small sampling of the ballot. Head over to RondoAward.com, follow the link, and check out the entire ballot, every category, every nominee. And here's the thing. 
you don't have to vote in every category. If there's a category that you know you just don't feel like voting in, you don't feel comfortable because you haven't seen all the movies or read all the books or whatever, that's fine. You can skip it. The only rule is you can only vote once. So if you're going to send in your ballot, prepare it. Make sure you get all the categories ticked off that you want to vote in before you send your ballot by email to T-A-R-A-C-O at AOL.com. That's T as in Tom. A-R-A-C as in cat, O, at AOL.com. Voting closes at midnight, April 10th. So you got some time to check out the ballot. I didn't get too in-depth with category number 17. That's the best multimedia horror site category. Monster Kid Radio appears on the ballot alongside a number of really cool multimedia sites, webcasts, podcasts, YouTube series, some really cool stuff in here. Check out this as well. Treat this category like a checklist. Go through and check out all these different podcasts, all these different series. I guarantee you're going to find something else that you like. And if you do, let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. There is one more category that I want to talk a little bit more about, and that's the Monster Kid Hall of Fame category. It's category number 27. You can suggest up to six names for the Hall of Fame. And there are names like Forrest J. Ackerman, Count Gore Duvall, Tom Weaver, Bob Wilkins, Basil Gogos, Tim and Donna Lucas, Bobby Boris Pickett, Paul Nashy, Ted Newsom. It's a nice collection of fans, scholars, and people who are actually involved in the films themselves. I have two recommendations that I'd like to make for the Monster Kid Hall of Fame. I already mentioned one of them, and that would be Ron Adams. That would be the man who runs the Monster Bash convention. I would say that out of all the different conventions that I've ever gone to, Monster Bash is the one that is most narrowly focused on the kinds of movies that we love to celebrate here on Monster Kid Radio. It is such a good time. I'm still kind of coasting off the fumes of going a couple of years ago. It's such an amazing convention. So I would recommend Ron Adams for Monster Kid Hall of Fame. He's not on the list, and he should be. The other person that I feel belongs on the list, there are no podcasters listed in this category. And I think there is a monster kid out there, a podcaster who's been doing this longer than any of us. Somebody who's been celebrating these types of movies, specifically B movies. And this person belongs in the Monster Kid Hall of Fame as far as I'm concerned. And that would be Vince Rotolo from the B movie cast. The B movie cast itself was not nominated in category 17, but Vince Rotolo deserves to be on the ballot. He inspired me to do what I do. And not just with Monster Kid Radio, but with my previous podcasts as well. I'm always learning from Vince. He's a friend, he's a colleague, but he's also a master when it comes to this. And I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. So while you're putting your vote together, consider Ron Adams and Vince Rotello in category number 27. Remember, you can suggest up to six people into the Hall of Fame and they'll tally that all up and announce the winner later this year. Our planet may be doomed, our Earth devastated, the monsters are in revolt, and civilization is in chaos. Godzilla is laying waste to New York, Rodan is attacking Moscow, Manda is smashing London, and Peking trembles under the wrath of Mafra. Our battle cry must be, destroy all monsters. Monsters. Who can say which country or city will be next? We must unite and destroy all monsters. Is there a way to defend against Godzilla, Rodan, Manda, and Mothra? The answer is no. Let our battle cry be, destroy all monsters. Be prepared. See for yourself in color from American International. Destroy all monsters. 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 Monsters.
This picture is rated G for general audiences. Destroy all monsters. Monster. 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 The fantastic duel of the century, the most ferocious battle in history. The flesh and blood King Kong fights his most incredible enemy, a 60-foot robot King Kong forged of super steel. King Kong escapes. All new, all thrilling in Technicolor. King Kong battles missiles, monsters, and a King Kong of steel. King Kong escapes. A Toho Company limited picture, a universal release. That brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. I want to thank Andy Campbell for being part of the show. It's been way too long since I had him on. And yeah, we're going to make sure we get him back on here before the summer and maybe even after the summer to find out what hatched when he and his wife welcomed the new Monster Kid into the family. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. Anyway, big thanks to Andy and big thanks to you guys and gals for listening to the show and being part of the Monster Kid Radio experience. Next week on Monster Kid Radio, we've got a brand new guest on the show, somebody who's never been on the show before, but he's a longtime podcaster. He is the original dead robot. He's a Hollywood outsider. His name is Justin McCumber. He's an author. And what do I mean by dead robot and Hollywood outsider? You're going to have to come back next week for episode 258 of Monster Kid Radio. We're going to talk a little bit about that while we have a nice breezy discussion about Dracula. I am Dracula. A moment ago, I stumbled upon a most amazing phenomenon. Something so incredible, I mistrust my own judgment. Look. Dracula. The very mention of the name brings to mind things so evil, so fantastic, so degrading. You wonder if it isn't all a dream, a nightmare. Rats. 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 Thousands. Millions of them. But no, this is no dream. This is Dracula. The original terrifying story of a maniac... And a man who lived after death, lived on human blood, took the form of a vampire bat, and lured innocent girls to a fate truly worse than death. Dracula? Oh, what, what's he done to you, dear? Tell he, me. He came to me. He opened a thing in his arms, and he made me drink. The original film. And a few other vampire movies as well, but mostly Dracula and just being a monster kid, celebrating the love of horror movies, vampire movies, and basically what Bela Lugosi gave us. So come back for that in seven days. Between now and then, head over to our website at monsterkidradio.net to find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes. Our contact information is there. If you'd like me to read your email or even play your voicemail at the top of the show, you can get a hold of us by emailing us at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or calling and leaving a voicemail at 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5M. KR. We also have links to our Facebook group. You can go and get involved with the group online. There's conversations happening there all the time. We have a link to every band that's appeared here on the show. And of course, any website that we mentioned in this episode, you're going to find links to those in the show notes 
as well. If you are a podcaster yourself and you'd like to play a promo for Monster Kid Radio, you can get that from our website. Now, there is a Patreon page, but hold off. If you're considering supporting Monster Kid Radio in March, which I guess technically it's March by the time you hear this, we're going to be launching, rebranding, doing a version 3.0 of our Patreon page. So come back for that. Also, on the right of the page, underneath the Rondo Hatton head, you can subscribe to the Monster Kid Radio Gazette. That's our monthly e-newsletter. goes out near the end of the month. A number of you have already gotten your February release of that. I hope you enjoyed it. For those of you who didn't get it, let me tell you what you missed. A Monster Kid-themed crossword puzzle, a breakdown of every category in the Monster Rally Retro Awards, basically breaking down which nominee got what percentage of votes, and a look back at what Monster Kid Radio was doing two years ago with a teaser, a hint, that we might be revisiting a particular topic. What's going to be in March's release of the Monster Kid Radio Gazette? You'll have to subscribe to find out. And before I sign off, I want to give a shout out to Scott and Tracy Morris. They are Monster Kids. They've been on the show. They're also Disney Kids. They're fellow podcasters. They put out the Disney Indiana podcast, and they just hit episode 200 of their podcast. So congratulations, guys. It's a big deal to hit 200 episodes of your podcast. You rock. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Power. That comes from the band Amphibian Man. It's from their album Speed Power Turbo Racer. You can find them at amphibianman.bandcamp.com or follow the link in the show notes. However you get there, let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. Talk to everybody next week with Justin McCumber and Dracula. <laughs>